had to listen to one song forever, it'd have to be Tupac California Love. What? Yo, <laughs> to a song of the Wild Wild West. Woo, damn. It's untouchable like Elliot Ness. Woo. You ready? Yeah, we're ready. We're ready. Timeout. Tyler, who are we taking the timeout with today? Well, today, Kevin, we're going to need a full timeout. We have Justin Collins, the co-owner and operator of Police Exam Career Prep. Justin, thanks for being on our show. We're just two genuinely curious guys. I want to know a little bit about what's the secret sauce uh, amongst the leaders in Rochester. And we have you on today. And uh, first question, Justin, what's going on with the Buffalo Sabres? <laughs> we want to know. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm a huge Sabres fan. Uh, very, very passionate about the Sabres. It's been 10 years and no playoffs. So if I could uh, come up with a way to fix them, right, all fans think they know best. Um, I would say they need to add a little more grit to their lineup. They, they need guys that can protect some of their skill players for sure. That's something that they lack. And they need leaders. Uh, they need leaders in that roster. And, and like I try to tell my son, who's also into hockey, if you know about hockey, guys wear A's or they wear C's on their jersey. And those are the ones that are the leaders. But that's not always the leaders. You, you can get other guys on the team that perhaps don't have a letter, but are leaders in that locker room and are leaders on the ice. And that's what the Sabres need. They, they need some leaders, guys with playoff experience, some guys with toughness to help bring their young roster along. Um, that's what they really need right now, I think. And as far as coaching and management, I think they could really benefit from somebody with some experience in their front office. They have a rookie GM, Kevin Adams. I think they could really benefit from some experience, a mentor, a person for him to lean on that's been through the battles to help get this ship righted for the Sabres. I hope to God. Joe Thornton's around there. <laughs> that's about all I know about hockey uh, from the South. So Joe yeah. Thornton's a name to drop for myself. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love that. Actually, fun fact, one of the other few, Kevin, that spells their name with a Y, he's definitely making it more famous for me, so I appreciate that, GM, just for that reason only. Well, just. hopefully it's a Stanley Cup. Hopefully we yeah, know. Yeah, I know. Bring the Stanley Cup. Cup with a Y in the name. I love it. Finally, right? Hopefully. Yeah, literally. Well, one of one of those things that I always, I always can learn so much about people from almost like the music that they get to listen to. Um, and, uh, so I wanted to start off here with a, a, a hot question is, uh, what's your favorite song and what song would you have to listen to on repeat as you're kind of getting ready for the day? What song and what, why do you choose that song, Justin? A song that really pumps me up. If I had to listen to one song forever, it'd have to be Tupac, California Love. What? Yo, let's go to the wild, wild west. Woo, damn. It's untouchable like Elliot Ness. Woo. Oh, Ooh. that's a hot one. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? That was, that was, uh, that was a song that took uh, Tupac to another level without a doubt. And uh, that really started, you know, his rise. So no, for sure. It was, uh, that's definitely one of my favorite songs of all time. That's sick. That's sick. What's uh, we're, 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 I, I'm trying to get this guy to read more. He's trying to get me to, uh, to listen to some seventies funk music to your point. So <laughs> we're trying to help each other out here. Um, but, uh, what is like a, one of your favorite books, um, that you've ever read, Justin, and, and, and I guess, how does it, how has that defined you as a man or helped you develop you as a, as a person? Um, I think my favorite book ever would be how to win friends and influence people. It is uh, without a doubt, just an amazing book. Again, a lot of the things that they talk about are, are, are common sense, but I think, especially in this information age where you're just getting loaded with information and, you know, some of the things are counterpoints. And this book is like a time honored tradition. It just continues to be shared and shared and shared. And some of the fundamentals in the book, just about how to treat people and how to um, build relationships with people and build rapport um, are just, you, they, you can't miss. And I think we've all done the things that they're saying to do in the book. Um, but uh but uh, not with consistency. If you're struggling in your life to, to figure out why you don't have those consistent relationships or 
why sometimes you can hit on things and other times you're not. This book really, really brings all that to light. And uh, it's just really an awesome book. And I, I tell you, I make a list of books for my son to read and then I'll get audio books and I'll play these books for him just because I, I, I think that that type of stuff should be taught in the school system. You know, teaching people how to build friendships and connections with people is just a fundamental human being thing that you need. And that book definitely hits home for me. Kind of trying to get you to know, get to know you, uh, Justin, on a personal level. Uh, sure. So some of the favorite questions that I have is given what you do today and in your role, but just as an individual, what would be like one skill that you would love to pick up overnight, wake up tomorrow, you're an expert. What, what would that one skill be? Being a little more handy. Uh, I, I, w I wish I knew how to do like some basic uh, drywall and laying floor. I mean, these are, these are life skills that like every guy wants to know how to do so you can save yourself. <laughs> When they, when they want to do your basement and uh, it doesn't seem real complicated, but if you don't know how to do it, you don't know how to do it. So yeah. I, I wish that I had a, a little more knowledge and how to be handy and to fix things on my own. If I, if I could have a skill uh, that I don't currently have, that would be something that I wish I could do. Yeah. I know a couple of my friends can barely hold a hammer too. So I'm sure they're, they're probably in the same ballpark <laughs> as you, Justin. <laughs> Justin, I just going to ask you, so where did you get the idea to uh, start this uh, police exam career prep. We saw that you've been in the force for about 17 years and then so, five years. And, and also, how do you have time to do both? There's a lot of questions in there, but how'd you come up with the idea? <laughs> yeah, so first the idea, uh, it was a struggle. If you know anything about the law enforcement hiring process, it's, it's pretty convoluted and pretty complicated. And it, it really shouldn't be, but it is. Um, obviously, they just don't want to hand badges and guns to people who say, I'll do it. Um, obviously, that could create some problems, but um, the process is pretty difficult. And it was challenging for me to get through the process, despite the fact that I you know, really, really wanted it. Um, I felt like I had a pretty good background, but it was still pretty challenging. And there were many times during the process that I wanted to give up. But I was lucky I had a really good network of people that kept me going and that I was able to keep myself going. So that's really what, once I did get it, I really made a promise to myself that I would do the very best that I could in my career. And I'd like to think I did okay during my career. Um, and then about five years ago, um, it all started adding up to me that throughout my career and throughout my time, I started to meet a lot of people who really, really had interest in wanting to be in law enforcement, but were really casualties of the hiring process. Um, a lot of times there's not a rhyme or reason to the things they do. At least they don't explain why they, they disqualify some people. Um, and they were really good people that I felt like would have made a great impact. I wouldn't mind working next to them and I wouldn't mind supervising them. Um, and they went on to have really successful careers, probably in other places, at least that's what I could tell. Um, but I thought what, what a great addition they would have been to the law enforcement community. Um, and this was five years ago. Now law enforcement's in a completely different situation where they're really hurting for people. Um, so that's where I really got the idea from was, was really like, you just, you have to help, especially this generation, you have to kind of handhold a little bit, but there's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You have to guide people. And if we're going to call it mentoring, that's really what it is, is got to kind of mentor people to get here. So that's where I really got the idea from. And it just grew and grew and grew. That's fabulous. That's, awesome. that's incredible. And like you, you touched on a few important points there, right? Is like, there's a few millennials and things like that as a younger workforce comes in. What was one of your biggest, I guess, differences of what you have noticed, like with your career in law enforcement and now a, this younger workforce coming in outside of, I know you mentioned the hand holding and really showing them the way. What are, what is, I guess, one of your biggest complaints with millennials and what do you think is one of their biggest strengths um, that we, we are able to bring to the workforce. Yeah, you know, I'll say this for me, uh, I started 17 years ago, but I kind of feel like I was the first millennial. And I, I joke around with Gina about that a lot, but <laughs> <laughs> only, only because, because a lot of the things that I was into or, or the way I saw things, I think as I started, when I started my career, it wasn't accepted by everyone else, maybe just a few people. And as I found as more and more people retired and more and more people came on, some of the, you know, the viewpoints or the ways to go about things seem to be adopted by this new generation more. So I, it was really an easy transition for me. And to be honest, we hear a lot of complaints, I think, sometimes about millennials. I really don't have any complaints about them. My whole, my whole program is full of millennials. And to be honest, 
Yeah. These are some of the most dedicated people I've ever seen in my life. I've had people in my class for three years trying to get on this job. And that is the kind of person I want to work next to me. And that is the kind of person I want to work for me. And that's the kind of person you should want serving your community. Somebody who would literally put his life on hold for three years to get this opportunity to serve the public as a law enforcement officer. I mean, honestly, the, the passion that these people show in this group is unbelievable and it's not fake. It's genuine. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it, it, you can't fake the type of passion that these kids show and their consistency. And uh, just, just to, just to be honest, I don't, I don't have any complaints about them. I, I honestly probably would have more complaints about the older generation that maybe uh, that, that I work with predominantly. And uh, you know, I really like the direction that we're going in just some of the Rocky road. I don't love right now, obviously. Justin, when, do, when do you know that it's somebody on like uh, Tyler just mentioned, like, how do you pinpoint who has it? like that it factor, that passion, you, you sure. see that they're not only involved on the community level. That's why I really love what you're doing. Sure. How do you know, how do you see that? How do you identify that? So I can tell you. So the first year we did this, I really broke everything I did a la carte. It was like a written exam prep. And then we did some stuff with physical agility and interview. And the problem I found is everybody thinks and they think police and law enforcement, they think, okay, let me score high on that written exam. Very few people who score high on the written exam or score at all will get hired. It, 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 is, it is not the true wow. indicator of who's going to get hired. There's a lot of casualties. People get 90s, 95s, 100s, never get picked up. So I did all that. I had a lot of luck with my system teaching people to pass the exam, but that did not get them the job. So then I started looking at, okay, well, what, what is the factor here? What is happening? 45% of the people who will take the physical agility test, which is the next test to follow in the process, will fail. Doesn't matter what shape they're in. They could wow. be. In, I think it's really mental too. I think it's they're thinking about this career and they just suck themselves out and they fail. But forty-five percent doesn't matter where you can go. You can set your watch to it. It's gonna happen. They're gonna fail. So I really just combined everything we did into one. And we talk about where did the passion come from. You know, the ask that I ask for the from the men and women that are in my group is really low. It's about five and a half hours a week commitment. They all have regular jobs. They all have um, a school they go to, a family. So I keep the ass low, but I find that five half hour threshold that whether I ask them to volunteer in the community or to come to class and to be on time and to stay engaged and meet with our background folks to prepare for their real background, all these things, this is where I find that passion from. Because despite that I'm mounting this pressure on them and having them meet these commitments and these demands that we have to keep them going, oh, even though it's just a five and a half hour commitment, that's where you see the passion. Because you know, in the time that I've done this, we've had, a, I think we're about 65 hires right now, which to be honest is unreal because wow. you don't get that. This is all local too, whether it's state police, Monroe County Sheriff's Jail Road, RPD Grease, Ogden. It, it, it is just, uh, it, it is, it's a large number because it's extremely difficult to get hired by a law enforcement agency. But that passion comes from the fact that you keep, you keep asking your time, you keep mounting it on them. And uh, the ones that survive it and get stronger and keep coming back for more, that's how you can find out who genuinely has that passion and who does not. Yeah. Well, it's almost in the same vein. We keep hearing this term resilience this year, and it's uh, probably one of my most hated terminologies, but uh, because no one really, how do you, how do you know if somebody's resilient or not without sure. kind of getting into a dogfight with them and seeing how they deal with adversity and things like that? Sure. sure. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned accountability. Justin, one of uh, our favorite questions to ask, obviously, a gentleman like yourself, and you just shared some incredible news with us. Congratulations on your engagement. But uh, how does Gina keep you accountable? And what do you what do you think is one of the biggest qual qualities that uh, you get to bring to the relationship? Uh, you know what? We really complement each other <laughs> in every way. We, we truly do. And uh, I had a good friend of mine who is... Uh, you know, a very successful local businessman in, in Rochester. And just after a little bit of me and Gina dating about five years ago, he looked at me and he said, you know why you and Gina work really good? And I'm thinking, how do you even notice this? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, wow, tell me how, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> tell me something I don't know. This is part of your, this is, this is part of you. This is part of your thought process. You were thinking about this, you know, I could tell me I'm interested. And he said, he said, you both compliment each other. In, in many ways, a lot of the skills that Gina has, 
I do not have, or I, I wish I had stronger. And, uh, and a lot of the skills that I have, I think that she, she would like to have. And, you know, that really makes us real partners. Mm -hmm. uh, we depend on each other for a lot of things. Um, you know, Gina is very involved in the back end with police exam career prep and everything we do. And uh, really, we approach a lot of that together, um, which has really uh, helped keep me grounded. I don't think that we would be able to do, you mentioned like how, how we're able to do this with, you know, other careers and other things going on. Um, if I didn't have her as my partner, I don't think I'd be able to do this just because if you, you know, other person would be like, why are you never around? You know, why are you, why are you, you know, not available? So because we do it together, that's, that's why it really works. That's, that's, that's perfect. I'll take that gift card that you promised me to loft you that softball there, but get you those brownie points. I'll, I'll send you my address after this. Perfect. <laughs> I was thinking, uh, so, you know, given that there's two sides of this police officer, um, Thing going on nowadays what gets you out of bed in the morning to, to tackle this uh, certain topic and to not only tackle it but to bring opportunity to to younger generations that are most likely looking up to you yeah no so i think that yeah that's a good question it, it gets tougher and tougher every day it does because you see that you know when you talk about all the stuff that's happening and all the stuff that you see on the news and you know you're only getting a really small portion of it um but the people that suffer when all these debates are going on are the people in the community who who are good people. Some of them are in tough neighborhoods because they don't have a choice or maybe they do have a choice. It's where they're from and that's where they want to be. They shouldn't have to leave. Um, but they're the ones that are, that are suffering. Um, anytime you see a lack of police or there's this distrust factor or this narrative that uh, the police uh, don't like people because the police definitely do. I mean, nobody takes this job because you're trying to get wealthy. Nobody takes <laughs> For sure. Let me tell you. <laughs> That's absolutely for sure. No one takes the job uh, for the glory. And uh, as you can see now, there's not a lot of glory in what we're doing, um, yeah. but they take this job genuinely to help people and they take this job to make a difference. And I can honestly say with you know the, the tons of police officers that I work with, that's really the majority of what I'd say about all of them is they're there to try to make a difference. Um, some pretty, pretty brave men and women that I've been lucky enough to work with that have put themselves in some very dangerous situations to really protect complete strangers and who didn't yeah. even think about it, just went right to the sound of danger and didn't even stop to think about, you know, the, the repercussions of their own life because that's what we're sworn to do. So, you know, it, it, it's not like TV for sure, you know, where you see explosions. So you're saying cops is not real or. Yeah, <laughs> right, no, or, or any of these, these police action shows, but the bottom line is, is that, you know, it, it's real as far as the oath that guys take and, and uh, their duty to serve, it, it's real, you know? And uh, that's what I think is kind of heartbreaking. You talk about getting out of bed. It's heartbreaking to see the profession uh, attacked daily. Yeah. But, but to be honest, you know, um, good things will come from this, you know? And I do believe that change needs to happen. I do believe that reform needs to happen. I think in any industry, change happens, right? I mean, yeah. some of the, the greatest industries, even locally, right? Some of the greatest industry, in, they, didn't, they didn't adapt, right? And now they're out of business or they're nowhere where they used to be, right? You have to adapt based to the needs of the community and based on your consumers. And in this case, our consumers are the community and they're asking for some type of change and you gotta be willing to do that. And that's kind of like, you know, when you ask like getting out of bed, like, and, and focused, I, I, I welcome the change, you know, as long as it's in, 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 in a positive, you know, with, with a goal of, of making it better and not in any type of malicious way, yeah. I welcome the change. I think it's good. Anytime, and anytime you can know what your rules of engagement are, what people expect of you, and you can understand that, I think that's great. As a leader, that's what you want to dictate to your people. This is what is expected of you. If you do this, this is going to be a good job. You know, if you do this, it's this not going to be liked. But you want to get yeah. those clear rules of engagement. And it is hard with law enforcement because, um, things change very rapidly. Um, you know, what's some start out as a very relaxed situation turns very dangerous and you have seconds to make decisions, but ultimately just those basic rules of engagement, um, are really important. Um, and, uh, you know, that's what motivates me is I think good things are on the horizon for the law mm -hmm. enforcement profession. Um, much like when say a sports franchise isn't doing well, and it's at the bottom, you can only go up, right? So, yeah, exactly. so we're, we're hoping those sabers go up and we're hoping they're on the incline. That's what we're hoping yeah. for as well. 
That's fascinating. Awesome. One of the things I wanted to ask you is um, you mentioned kind of like a mission statement. Um, and I think we all have our own personal mission statement. What What is your personal mission statement today, Justin? As, as a lot of the pieces that you just mentioned, you're excited for the what's on the future horizon for policing. And and really, you, you mentioned some of those uh, invisible barriers that you, you faced. And now you see a younger demographic, younger generation coming in, and they don't see the world the same way that we always had. Um, and you mentioned like the need to change. What is your personal mission statement and how did that create your mission statement for for the company that you now started with uh, police career prep? Uh, I think my personal mission statement is to be mature about things, to be consistent and to be emotionally intelligent, uh, to be available, to be accepting that, you know, not everyone grew up the same way I grew up. Um, Not everyone uh, is the same. And, and, you know, it it comes in lots of different things. Some obvious differences when we look at each other, right? We, We can see obvious differences, but there's some things on the, under the surface that you can't see. And that's to be available there and to not think that it's your way or the highway. So I would say that's my, my, uh, my, my, uh, my personal mission statement and, and what I've tried to push on to the people that have come through my program that are still there is to be emotionally intelligent, to be mature, and number one, to be consistent. That's amazing. Awesome. And, and we're lucky to have you in our community, Justin. You know, I'm sure the kids look up to you um, all the time. And I was just thinking, uh, you know, as a role model you are, um, who's one of your role models growing up and, or a mentor that you really latched onto and learn from? Um, growing up for me probably would be, um, I would say my stepfather and my mother. Um, my stepfather was a police officer in Buffalo. I grew up in a single parent home till I was about 11 years old. Um, it was not a good, I wasn't a good situation as far as money. I didn't grow up with a lot of money, didn't have a lot of, uh, you know, but my mom tried the best that she could. Um, I was lucky that she had met my stepfather when he was, I was about 11 years old. So I really got to see two different lives. I got to see a life of struggling and not having a lot and being in a single parent home. Um, like I said, my mom did the best she could, but it was, you know, it was definitely, uh, definitely was some issues there, you know, and then having that second part where I grew up with a lot of structure. So I really got to see both lives and I got to kind of pick which way I'd want to go. Um, so really, you know, my mother and my stepfather were really good role models for me of how to, uh, to operate and to live my life. And uh, yeah, I think that they'd be my, uh, be the people I look up to. With some of those humble beginnings, as you mentioned, right? Like, um, and I think you alluded that to, to that earlier, that we can see people for, for who they are very quickly and we can make judgments and rash, rationale with those humble beginnings and coming from, from just your mother and you kind of in that single payer household and, and really fighting almost for survival for lack of a better term. How did that factor into making Justin who the man that you are today and and kind of some of these outside the box ideas that you've brought to policing and and more community policing in that regard? Right. So I think that's, that's really where a lot of it comes from. I remember looking up to police that were in my, I grew up in the city. I grew up in Buffalo and I remember seeing police around a lot. And I remember viewing them as a symbol of honesty and, uh, and protection. And I think that that, when you look up to something like that and you see that, I think that's something I've tried to really, uh, to apply to this group and to my own career. Um, you know, a lot of the folks that I work with didn't grow up the way I did. Um, though I have great relationships with them, I think I'm able to see empathy uh, for, I have a lot of empathy for the folks that are growing up in poverty and growing up in really tough situations in some of these neighborhoods. Um, You know, some of them are in a really bad way. And and had I not had that switch in my life when I was about 11 or 12, where I, you know, I basically moved out of the year I was in and I basically started getting raised in a different type of home with my stepfather, I probably would have fallen victim to a lot of the things that these kids have fallen victim to, whether it's violence or drugs. So I can easily see myself on a lot of these young kids, regardless of race or religion or wherever these kids, a lot of these kids are in really tough spots. And, you know, when they, when they grow up in these households with very little role models, and once, especially young men, when they grow up um, without a, a strong father figure in their life or uncle or grandfather or any father figure, um, they really start calling the shots for their life. And at 13 and 14, with no adult around, yeah. you have no idea what type of shots you're calling. Right and the wrong ones. I'm going back to thirteen right now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Woo-wee. 
Exactly. So I really got the cutoff there. It was the right time for me to be snatched out of that situation before I made some bad choices. So that's really the mindset that I brought to my career as a police officer. And that's where I came from. Um, so I try to apply that to what I do as an officer. And then with our folks in our group, when we talk about going back to passion, um, you know, there isn't, there's lots of ways I'm sure that you could decide who is going to be a good police officer and who isn't. But one of the ways that I use is to find that people that are emotionally intelligent and that are passionate. And how do we prove that? How do we, you know, the way the process works now is you fill out some paperwork, you get interviewed, and really it's a coin flip, right? They call your ex-girlfriend, they call some neighbors, right? Okay. And, and then, oh, no. <laughs> Don't do that, Justin. Don't do that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and they do they do a good investigation, which is important. And this goes for all agencies, right? But you don't really know someone until you spend time with them, right? And that's not to say that I know the people that come from my program. Um, you know, I don't live with them. But if you spend a year, a year and a half with someone, and you're with them on average three, four, or five hours a week, you're going to start to get a pretty good idea of who they are, right? And you keep putting pressure on them. And, you know, our kids are given writing assignments. They're given all different things that they need to do to see where they're at, right? And you test them in a variety of different environments, right? We put them in communities that maybe they're not comfortable with or they don't know or they don't understand. And you see how they grow or they push back. And I won't lie to you. I have people that quit. They don't, they don't agree with it or, or it's just not for them. I'd also tell you, though, I never see those people getting sworn in down the road. And so I think they figured yeah. out at that point that maybe the direction policing is going in or it's not what they thought it was. They thought they could turn on TV and there'd be explosions and people repelling from buildings. And that's a very tiny, tiny part of law enforcement. It's about empathy. and It's about understanding. It's about having the ability to talk to people a lot more than it is fighting. And there is times there's gonna be fighting and we train them in that too. But really yeah. we try to get a true picture of who the person is so that when we turn something, turn one over to an agency or we say, hey, you know, this is a really good candidate. We should look at this person, give this person a hard look. We've already done our due diligence and hedged yeah. our bets. That's something that can't be done in a month. That takes time. That's what I always, I, I mean, I always said about policing too, is like, as, as, this, as this like conversation continues on, right. Is like some, some therapists even have to go to school for six years, but all of a sudden we're supposed to, we automatically thrust these people into the community. And, and really that's a lot of, that's a, a, a big shoulder to a weight to shoulder. What do you, how do you, like you talked about the challenges right now. One of the biggest bottlenecks is that it's not as glamorous as it once was, um, people are looking for different things within their career. This younger generation, you, you mentioned the hit that policing has taken from a new applicant perspective. What do you think the future is? How are we gonna, how are we gonna get people, again, interested in this as a career opportunity um, uh, for, for where they are in their own lives? Right, so number one, I wanna just throw a personal shout out for me. Uh, I think they have to up the pay. So <laughs> the pay can get really <laughs> Let's oh, I'm up in the pay, up in the pay. But, but in all seriousness, in any economy, in any profession, if you don't have applicants, right, you're going to, obviously the job's not attractive enough for the work. So the, the pay needs to be, it, it would need to be raised because you, you want to get quality applicants. There's obviously somebody who's looking at that job and saying, yeah, for that, that's not worth it. So that kidding around, but in all seriousness, there's needs to be some more incentive to no. get good people to want young people to do this. But the other thing I think that law enforcement struggles with is marketing themselves. You know, they really struggle with it. And, yeah. and even to say things like marketing yourselves before, you know, we talk about when I started and where I'm at now. And, you know, if I would have said marketing yourself 10 years ago, people would have laughed at me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not to say yeah. that people haven't laughed at me in the past because they have, but some of the ideas. I'm still laughing at you. Right. It's police officer marketing. Yeah. That, yeah. You had right. me at hello. <laughs> but but you really you really do. An agency really has to market what they do. Um, so A, so the people that you know you're serving know you're out there doing things. It's not just crime related because you there's no opportunities for marketing when there's a, a serious crime. That's not the time to do that, obviously. But it's letting people know what you are doing when there is downtime and letting them know that you are out there and that you are a person. And, and that, that marketing is going to do a few things. It's going to build bridges and make you more accessible and make people realize that you're not mean and nasty and that your only goal is to give people a ticket, right? And 
The other part is it's going to attract a younger generation to want to do this job. Um, the only way to do that is to get out there and show people what you're doing. But again, we're fighting a real battle where the only time now you're really seeing law enforcement on TV is when something happens around the country. And if you, if you really look like so few encounters end with deadly physical force across the country, very few, but they don't show those ones. They just show the when something bad happens. So, so really that's what law enforcement, in my opinion, have to do to start marketing themselves um, to talk about all the good things that our officers are doing and, and, you know, giving out those stats of all the encounters that end peacefully. And uh, I, I think that'll attract, start that. And the first topic that we mentioned uh, will, will really start to attract um, people because they want to know that they're, people want to know that they're in a career that people respect or at least believe in. And, and value. Right, and there's value there. And, and if, if they don't feel like there is, they're, they're not going to take that career on. And I wouldn't blame them. Yeah. And, and given your, your, you know, your story that you shared with us growing up, I bet you can relate to a lot of these kids coming through your program. And I bet your experience just gains that trust with them even more. Absolutely. You know, that you've been there and, what, and all that. Um, I can only imagine. And um, I'm a big uh, mental health advocate over here. And is there anything that the, uh, the, the force does for y'all? If you're in a certain situation, do they, they help you out with any of the mental health or how to get through some of these situations? Yeah, so, so that's a great question. Um, that's one of the things that you're starting to see pop up more as they're talking about advocating for more stuff with mental health. Um, you know, there are some things, you know, I won't speak for everyone. I know that people that I know, some use it, but it's definitely not something that's used enough. Um, and I don't think it's a programs that are defined enough where they're not, they're more general and they should be a little more focused. Um, you know, it's more like, uh, I think we have a unique job that um, requires, would require a unique um, program to, uh, to kind of deal with that. Because I think you're looking to gain trust of police officers. Um, and I think the way to do that is make something that's a little more focused on what they're doing. Um, and hopefully the people that they're talking to would have experienced this or would have a specialty in experiencing that. I just say that peer to peer. I've like uh, Tyler mentioned earlier. I I've always flourished in roles where I have a mentor and sure. having a mentor that's been there, done that before. If I don't have to reinvent the wheel, why would I? Sure. You mentioned something really important, and I think it's the fundamental building block of our community, our society, and relationships as a whole. And it's trust. Um, you mentioned that uh, really deteriorating, and it's probably uh, the media is to blame for a lot of this because, like you said, they only show one side of the the story. Um, there's obviously always two sides to um, every story, and it's really understanding um, the good and the bad um, and, sure. and being able to decipher between the two. What do you think, Justin? I mean, obviously, the police uh, exam career prep is, is a wonderful start, and I think that's a great way for you. But how do we rebuild that trust? Or what do you think? How can we get to the next phase in this type of relationship? Because I know I'm grateful to have you. Um, and, and obviously, well, Tyler and I are salespeople. We hear it all the time. Not all of the salespeople are looking to steal your wallet and take you every, for everything that you're worth. So we too also get uh, spoiled by the bunch there as well. But how do we, where do we go from here? Right. So I want to make it clear that I don't think that all police officers are great. I think police officers are like any other person. You're going to have people in all professions that aren't always doing the right thing or perhaps whatever the situation is that anytime I do see someone who's doing something that isn't right, or, you know, I see it on TV or whatever, I cringe because I know that our entire profession is going to be lumped in with that yeah. one person or persons that did something wrong. So I, that's definitely, you know, something I want to make clear, but um, how do we, you know, how do we use this as a starting point? I think the, the, I think that law enforcement needs to adopt more of the private sectors um, structure and how they operate. Um, we're in a system sometimes that is hard to make change in. Um, mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, there's some good things about the system that we're in, but I think the private sector adopting some of their customs and adopting some of their strategies is really how law enforcement can move forward. Um, going back on what we do with Police Exam Career Prep, it's successful because it is private. You know, placement, placement and recruiters are common in the private sector. There, there, there is, to my knowledge, there's no one else that's doing private recruitment and law enforcement. There's a business idea. Right, right. I'm writing that one down. <laughs> so, that, so, that, so that's what we're doing. So, so, so um, there's no one doing that. And when we started, 
there was definitely some resistance to it. Um, but you know, in all time, it's gotten it's gotten better, and we have support from the Monroe County Chiefs Association. So all the chiefs and the sheriff um, and that organization have supported us and endorsed us, and we work closely with a lot of the chiefs and the sheriff on starting to help them find good candidates. But um, I think that adopting a lot of the private sectors, uh, a lot of their traditions, a lot of their customs, a lot of their structure, their processes, I think that's how we can get law enforcement to where it's more transparent more accountable, whether we're talking about just how they do business or we're talking about what, what, what I'm talking about here, which is recruitment and staffing and placement is making it clear of what the expectations are and how you can go about um, you know, getting a position in law enforcement. And I think that's really where we're gonna see the, the industry um, take a new step and a step forward for the good. Incredible, incredible. One of the things too that uh, you were you were talking earlier is the the involvement of getting people involved in the community in which they serve. And and Tyler and I are probably two of your biggest fans. I know we follow you we follow you very closely on LinkedIn, and we did in our history in our we were on your Facebook. We were totally stalking you, Justin. Uh, but uh, we wanted we we noticed this common theme, right? Is the the Boys and Girls Club? You getting 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 these people within your program out into the communities. Why did you think that that was so important in what you guys did? Because that's where the real work is done. Those are the people that were actually out there. Those young people that are out there trying to better their lives that are there. The parents are took the time to send their kids there, provide that service to them with the boys and girls club. And there's, you know, places like that, that's who we're out there protecting. And that's who we're going to need to build trust with a lot of these kids and that, that go to that boys and girls club, uh, you know, live in neighborhoods where there's shootings outside their door, there's shootings in the street. And the only time those kids are going to experience police is when the police are up there putting up tape um, for a crime scene. And it's, it's common. And, uh, you know, I just think it's so important to build those bridges and going there once or twice is not going to make a bond. It's not going to make a relationship. And I always tell the kids, you know, everybody's going to tell me in class and everyone who's come through the class, they're going to tell me they want to be in law enforcement because they want to help people. Well, I told them, you don't have to wait until you're in law enforcement to help people. You can do it right now. And I'm going to show you where you can do it. Right. So, so, so we do that and we get to the, and the, and these kids really develop relationships with the, with these young people. And they, a lot of them are so young. They don't understand that they're not cops yet. Um, but, you know, they tell them they're not, but they just know that they want to be cops. So they just say, oh, well, they're a police officer. Um, but that's where the real relate, that genuine relationship comes from when you're out there doing it. And that's when I talk about passion. Um, I'll have people that will go once or twice and say, ah, you know, I can't make it. And then they don't want to do it anymore. And that's okay because they're signing up for something different. And it's not to say what they're looking to get into isn't needed somewhere. It's just not what I'm looking for. It's yeah. not the direction that I see the profession going in. You know, what I, where I see him going in is building relationships with the Boys and Girls Club or serving food at the open door mission to homeless people. People give me, you know, people, people, you know, putting their eyebrow up at me when I told them we're going to go to the, the open door mission. One of the, 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 the most common reoccurring people that we deal with as law enforcement is homeless people. You know, people battle on addiction, work with recovery fitness, picking up hypodermic needles in Clinton section, which is up on North Clinton and passing out information to people that are battling on addiction. When I started this career 17 years ago, it was common to view people that were battling addiction as, you know, uh, scum or, or messed up. Um, and that we know today is not accurate. There are people that are, it's a disease and they're battling a disease. I mean, I myself have lost uh, a cousin to, uh, to heroin. Right. So, you know, I felt that loss in my family as well. But again, it's 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 common to see that. And and I think it's changed in law enforcement that people don't view it like that. But I want to make sure the kids that are coming through this program, they definitely don't view it like that. They view these people as people that they're going to be serving, people they're going to be helping, providing resources. And that's when we go back to that question about passion. How can you measure that? And how do I know for sure that these kids are genuine? I'm telling you. They're going to leave if they're not into this. They're going to think this is not, because it's not glamorous. It's not yeah. glamorous to go pick not up. the Kardashians. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. There's nothing cool. There's nothing cool about it. But if you're able to make an impact and you're able to help one person get off drugs, or if you're able to change one kid's opinion of you, I've had some people that have gotten hired now 
that have gone back to the Boys and Girls Club in uniform and have still volunteered. Wow. And their minds are blown. These kids' minds are blown. They know these people that they spent all this time. Because on average, our, our, our team members will be here about a year and a half to two and a half years. So that's a long time weekly to volunteer to build bonds with these young kids. Yeah. And whether it's, like I said, it's, whether it's volunteering, um, we volunteer with drug-free Irondequoit, anything we can do, whether it's in the city, whether it's out in the county, anywhere we can build bridges, we're, we're all about it. Um, and uh, I've just had some incredible kids come through this program. When you talk about my beginnings and how I got where I am and do I apply to the kids, it, this was not my original plan, but a lot of the kids that are drawn to this group are people that did not have a, have a great shake at life, whether they came from single family homes, some kids came from foster homes, some kids actually grew up around violence. A lot of the kids in my class, they don't have a lot of people in their own family rooting for them to do this. They think, why would you want to be in law enforcement? Maybe there's some distrust there, but they still want to do it. These yeah. are the types of people that are going to be difference makers when they get on this job. If you want to talk about changing culture, these are the types of people that are going to be difference makers. And, you know, and we've, we, we vetted these people. So it's like, man, they did a really good job of faking it for a yeah. year and a half to two and a half years. You did a really good, man, you should get an Oscar, right? Right, you did a really great job of faking it and the physical portion of it too. So, so really, you know, there's a, there's a few people that come to mind, but, but so many of our kids have experienced poverty. They've experienced, you know, parents addicted to drugs. They've experienced one, uh, person who, who came from Cuba, whose family came over on a raft and he was born in America, you know what I mean? And now they're in law enforcement. So you talk about diversity, you talk about empathy, you know, these are folks that are going to be difference makers when they get that shot in law enforcement, but they're not the natural hires. They may yeah. have not been the top high school athlete. Um, they may have not been the top college athlete. Yeah. You know, they, they may not be like, well, if we're picking somebody, that guy's the biggest. So that's the guy I'm going to pick. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's not always the best. You know what I mean? That That's not always, and not to say there aren't neat, there isn't a time for, for big guys. It's not a knock on big dudes, but you know, you, 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 I think it's all different people is what make a law enforcement great, all different viewpoints, all different cultures. And, uh, when you can get people then to work as a team to try to make difference in a community, uh, that's really what we're looking for. And that's really what is drawn to our class is people, again, that are not that natural hire. People have had some adversity in life, but you know they're ready to do this. They want to get in and they want to be difference makers. And that's what they're going to be. That's fair. Awesome, Justin. Well, I, I work with a few, a lot of people in the community looking for service work quite a bit. And I'm, I'm glad I ran into you this afternoon, Justin. It sounds like you're, you're my man for this. Um, can you pick up, uh, pick two of your top nonprofits, give them a shout out or it's so I can maybe direct some folks, not just necessarily to you, but to, to how they can get involved quickly and yeah. right now. I would say Lifespan, we do a lot with the elderly. Lifespan is a group that specifically during COVID, a lot of elderly folks relied on meals to be delivered to them. And it, it got worse when COVID happened. So they're a really great nonprofit that I like a lot. The Boys and Girls Club is a really great nonprofit. There's a group called um, Rock the Peace um, that deals with, and then I got to get Wanda's group. What's Wanda's group? One, there's a, there's two groups rock the peace Wanda, what's your group <laughs> Wanda Ridgeway, i don't want to she she's amazing her and uh let me see her group is called rise up rochester so rise up rochester and rock the peace are made up of family members who have uh, experienced some type of loss via crime or homicide um and now they're on a mission to 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 curb the violence through education and through standing up uh, to try to bring neighborhoods together. And uh, they've personally felt that loss. So those groups like that, um, we love to get out there and volunteer. We were at Hudson and Wilkins the other day in one of the roughest neighborhoods in the city with that group, remembering people that have lost their life to homicide. And that's awesome that we, that we do that, but it's also way, way, way huge to have these young people that wanna get on this job um, and get in the law enforcement profession exposed to that. These are real people that have lost people that it, it's just it's just important 
you know, and they know Wanda and they, they, they know Serena, the two leaders of those two groups, because they've come to speak to class, you know, um, another good one would be go awesome person that's again, um, doesn't just say what's popular, says what's true, you know, yeah. and the truth is, is that the only way we're going to fix problems, you know, we talk about poverty and we talk about, you know, the many issues that our communities across the country is through building bridges and working together. It can't yep, be just one viewpoint. It's got to be community working together, everyone. Um, and uh, that's what makes it so easy to find great groups to volunteer with because there's so many out there. And uh, I just want to expose our kids as much of that as they can. Because you're going to, when you, I always tell them is when you get on the job, you're going to meet some people that maybe don't agree with this and think that this is, why would you want to do that, right? And you always got to remember that there's 50 in our group alone that do agree, you know? Yeah. So as long as you got one other person, you're okay. You know what I'm saying? But we got, I, I got a lot more than one, you know? But that is how you make real change, you know? And, and, uh, and, that's, and that's what our group does. So we love getting out there and it's real. And that, going back to that question about how do you measure passion, you know, law enforcement is, one, is, a, is a, again, this is the only thing that I'm aware of. It's like that we talk about private sector recruiting for law enforcement, but one of the reasons it works, but one of the reasons it's challenging is because it isn't just like, well, I met these three guys, they both got college degrees. I think this would be a great uh, addition to your agency because there's so many other measurables that they have to test before they can decide whether a person's a good fit for their agency. Well, rather than just guess and then have someone go through your academy and fail out, I wanna, or get to the job and be just miserable, right? Yeah. I wanna get, I wanna get you people that, like you said, we've gone through and we've seen them just rise. We've seen them adapt to situations they weren't comfortable with. That way, when you have someone at your threshold and you have to make a decision, Let's, let's make a decision about someone who's gone through some adversity, who's put themselves through it, and who can adapt. Someone who's emotionally intelligent, someone who's consistent, someone who's mature. And it's finding that sim those similarities, which I think are so important. Like you mentioned, it's, it's, it, it's easier probably to find differences than similarities. And I think people like to find that path of, of, of easiest uh, or less traveled or whatever it might be. But people really want to focus on the differences first because it allows them to put them above somebody else. And we're yeah. constantly in this, this uh, challenging time where we're always trying to figure out if we're better than somebody else. And, and, oh, and I'd love to hear that. And you mentioned about building bridges. As we're wrapping up here, I had one more serious question and then we were going to finish on with uh, some of our favorite stereotypical interview questions to ask, ask a leader like yourself as well as a professional interviewer. Um, one of the things that you kept mentioning though, time and time again, is that you have kind of a dork horse, maybe in the force, even yourself, but like, how do you stand up when you see something going wrong or how do you voice your, your challenging opinion about some of these things that have always done it this way? How, how do you, how would you encourage our guests to, to really stand up for themselves and voice these differences of opinion in a tasteful way? Right. Are you saying in regards to what did I personally do or just in general, anyone who's in a position? Yeah, I would say in general, like what have you found? Because obviously, I mean, you you sign up for a brotherhood, right? When you sign up for the police force and sometimes you you have to uh, try try to maybe bring up, bring awareness to the common ways of thinking of things. But right. it seems like you have a very different opinion. Right. How do you find, how have you found success in kind of challenging some of those status quo? Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of it is just have to, you have to be brave and you have to stand up for what you believe in. I know why I signed up for this job. I did a lot of praying prior to getting this opportunity. I was rejected a few times and, uh, you know, I made a promise to myself and to God that when I got this opportunity and it's genuine as could be that I would do everything I possibly could to do the right thing for Rochester. And uh, that was something when I took my oath, I made sure I would do it and I never lost sight of that. So, you know, that that's what... That, that's what makes it easy for me to do that because I know that it's the right thing. And I, I, I think about like real simple common sense things, treat people the way you'd want to be treated, right? That's like a cliche almost at this point, right? But it's true. You know, if, if I, you know, there is going to have to be on times, unfortunately, where police officers are going to have to do things that other people don't maybe don't like. But the bottom line is you have to keep control of situations that could get very, very out of control. But the way you approach people and the way you start conversations can be very, very different. 
You know, I, I don't take for granted the job that I have. I don't take for granted the opportunity that I have, and I don't take for granted the responsibility that I have. I take it very seriously, as serious as I did when I started before. There is times, you know, how, how do you how do you get comfortable with maybe disagreeing with other people? You know, I've always found that, you know, uh, you know, I've always been lucky that when I did step forward, whatever it was in my career that maybe wasn't popular, there were always other people that would eventually be like, yeah, you know what? I kind of felt like that too. And only take one other person, <laughs> right? Once you got one, now you start, now you start this momentum to push towards the other way. And you don't, I know I don't, not everything I say maybe has to be factories the way it has to be, but I, I think we've gotten a real bad place if we can't have different viewpoints and disagree on some things and agree on other things. It, it, we're in a bad place. And Agreed. that goes for law enforcement too. It doesn't all have to be one way, you know? And I, I think it yep. really pushes me that change is starting to happen and there is some good change that's happening. And that's what motivates me is that, you know, I want this job to be looked upon with respect and I want the community to trust us. And when I see, I think we're going in that direction. We're in a bad place now, but I think we're going in that direction. And uh, hopefully some really good change will come out of all the chaos. Um, that's what I'm hoping happens. Nice. Yeah, I know you and me both. Well, we're going to jump into some fun questions now. That was a really, I really appreciate it. And I know Tyler and I would like to thank you for, for serving our community, Justin, because we can just tell that um, your passion, right? And it's, it all starts with people. And uh, we've all gone through these interviews and some of the interviews that you're even prepping some of these uh, students for right now and, and a, a true career. And I love your terminology of career versus just a job, right? A career is totally different. Sure. Um, speaking of careers, we always get these cheesy interview questions and we've always really wanted to know what is the right answer to some of these questions. So for you, obviously a uh, strapping uh, man like yourself, if you were a superhero, yeah. And it might be superhuman strength, even though you already have that. You already checked that box. <laughs> but, um, what would your superpower be? And why would you choose that such superpower? Um, can I pick Iron Man's power? Where I'm <laughs> sure. <laughs> you just want one of those space suits where you can right. cruise everywhere. The space suits. Um, you know, probably, uh, I don't know. Probably flying would be pretty cool. I think I'd take flying. I think that I think that would be okay. Yeah, but the yeah. go where, wherever you got to go, just flying whenever you got that'd be awesome. That'd be great. Justin Collins on the scene like that. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, I just wanted to ask you. So you've had a, you said sixty plus kids, you know, graduate from your exam prep career uh, school. Um, what in three words? How do you think your kids describe you? Um, relentless, uh, driven, and passionate. I love that. Couldn't agree more, you know, that, that I've got to meet you for about 45 minutes this afternoon. And, awesome. uh, you know, we just can't thank you enough. And I, I know where to point some people that are looking for service work now. It's, his name's Justin Collins, ladies and gentlemen. Justin Collins, new <laughs> career in law enforcement. It's not as glamorous, but Justin is making it more glamorous every day by really getting it out in the community and marketing a true career in law enforcement. So, Justin, thanks for uh, from Tyler and myself. Thanks for taking a time out with Tyler and I today. <laughs> and I hope you have a great afternoon. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Take care.